0: Hi, this is Alan Ledford. I'm the president of Mountain Star Sports Group, and this is One-on-One with ADC Partners. Hi, this is Dave Almey of ADC Partners. I guess you could call this episode's guest, Alan Ledford, a baseball guy. He's been working in the game for over 30 years, beginning as an intern for the Oakland A's in 1983, and rising to the top of the club as the VP of Operations. Since then, Ledford has helped launch multiple minor league baseball teams, most notably the Sacramento Rivercats and the El Paso Chihuahuas. So a baseball guy, right? Not exactly. You see, Ledford is currently president of Mountain Star Sports Group. The owner of the Chihuahuas, but also the USL's El Paso Locomotives, and F.C. Juarez of Liga MX. So the baseball guy is also a soccer guy. What Ledford really is, is one of the sharpest minds in sports business. Success follows the former minor league baseball executive of the year, and in our discussion, he details some of the things that have helped him and the teams he works for find that success. We also talk about the challenges in launching a new franchise, why he believes baseball will endure, and what it's like to lose a seemingly impossible number of foosball games to yours truly. Enjoy. Okay, Alan Ledford, your first job in sports was with the Oakland A's, right? You, and you went, like you got in there, you were running the video board, and then you went up and elevated up to the business side of the A's. Eventually, you became the VP of operations for for the club. I'm hoping that you can spend just a little bit of time reflecting on your time with the As and when you go through that incredible progression of roles throughout an organization, what are some of the things that you and the lessons that you take away from that time with the As that are still important to you today and what you when how you work
1: Oh boy I tell you david there there's an amazing number I could literally talk for the the entire time about that but First and foremost, it was the result, uh, my experience with the A's was the sort of the culmination of naivete and luck. I was naive (laughs) naivete as a uh, young college student to think that uh, such a thing as an internship, which were not that prevalent in that era with the Oakland A's was a possibility. And having no idea what any of that meant and was told no uh, right out of the bat, right off the bat, rather. And no pun intended, no pun intended. And the president of BA uh, sent me a letter back thanking me for my resume. And there was no resume. <laughs> Two perfect examples of the level of naive pay involved.
0: A but, smoothly uh, oiled machine, the Oakland A's even yeah, in those days.
1: Exactly. And, but uh, I was persistent and through some encouragement from family. A couple months after that initial exchange, and thinking, what's the worst that can happen? I sent another letter. Um, One thing led to another, some additional persistence and a a communication with gentleman Andy Dolich, who turned out to be a mentor of mine and is still a very good friend and mentor. Um, Andy uh, communicated to me and I ended up as an intern in the media relations department and that one year internship turned into 15 years. And the, the lessons were plentiful. One is always say yes.
0: I love that one.
1: One thing I always communicate to younger folks who uh, are younger than me, which which accounts for a good portion of the podcast. I
0: wasn't going to say anything, but you, since you did. Yeah, yeah that's I, just about I, everybody listening to this podcast. I, I figured I'd beat you to it.
1: Um, <laughs> it's and, and again, this is I don't know kind of how this came to me somewhere along the way. But the, the piece of advice that, that always served me well, and I still try to apply it today is think like your boss. So if you were your boss, what would you want you to be doing? Yeah. Uh, I guess I was able to differentiate myself and uh, the opportunities were there. And I, again, I I literally said yes to everything. So my initial role wasn't the video board. It was coordinating all the in-stadium entertainment because video boards were not
0: prevalent at that time. I'll bring that up with my fact checkers.
1: Well, yes, and uh, it 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 was close, but yeah. it, it, in the ballpark. ballpark. Yeah, in the ballpark.
0: So yeah. was, that it's also, its like the puns are inescapable. You can't you can't get away from them.
1: Oh you know, well, around baseball they
0: are. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Anyway,
1: but in any case, that um, that role in provided me exposure to a lot of different departments.
0: Yeah. I ended up sort of in my uh, early to midlife with
1: TAs getting involved on the financial side doing the budgets for the business side and ultimately was asked to do it for the baseball side and pretty much every other department except the finance side. And through that, I learned a ton. I, most people would say, that sounds like the worst, most boring, <laughs> um, incredibly unappealing role that you could ever have. And I get it. On the other hand, it was probably one of the most valuable ones that I had. I. I longer story, another day, but I learned the, about the organization and probably knew it front to back at a painful level of detail as well, if not better than anybody. And that that broad experience, that sort of general management experience is a, our, our current general manager, Brad Taylor with the, the Chihuahua said, when he asked to describe his job, he said, I generally manage, which means we, <laughs> need, to, we need to have a sense of every single function, and that is part of our business. And but
0: there is something to be said for the way that you came up through the organization and getting line of sight into all the different aspects of how a professional sports team operates. That puts you in a position for success in that regard.
1: Oh, there's absolutely no doubt. And, and let's be real—that that was a different era in this yeah. business. grown significantly. Things are a lot more sophisticated. But you know what? It created an amazing foundation, and um, I. I'm a huge believer regardless of the size of the organization and these, even at the major league level, if this is an overstatement, but certainly at the minor league level, it's more mom and pop grocery stores. Although we, you know, we between a, a, a soccer, USL soccer team and a triple A baseball team, mm-hmm. we employ close to a hundred people. So there, and, and the money is obviously significantly different than it sure. previously, but uh, learning, every function and, and the functions are pretty much the same those haven't changed that the breadth and the depth has changed mm-hmm. minor, minor things like the, the uh, obvious prominence of uh, technologies has changed the business like it's changed most businesses today so that but it i could not have and, and again back to naive pay i could not have asked for or anticipated or have planned for a, a better scenario than the one that sort of
0: organically, to overuse the word that's overused, uh, <laughs> had, so
1: to speak, had, had organically evolved uh, in my experience there. And yeah. one thing led to another. And when uh, the aforementioned Andy Dolich uh, departed, I was uh, promoted to. To his role as the vice president of business operations, which in that era was everything but the finance and the baseball side, and all of the, the
0: prior experience uh,
1: was invaluable.
0: Yeah, and it, and it kind of puts you in a position again—that breadth of knowledge, the rising through the ranks, working at the major league level for this entree into minor league sports, right? So you you go from the A's, and obviously there's an interlude that where you and I met for the first time at at a marketing agency. We're going to skip over all that because there's a variety of reasons why we're going to skip all over that. But you went on to then help launch first the Sacramento River Cats, then now actively playing a role in launching the El Paso Chihuahuas, so two of the most successful minor league franchises in all of baseball. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you can point to as what were the qualities about Sacramento and El Paso, and you take all that knowledge that you had regarding the A's, what made those markets seem so ripe to you? And why did those seem to work so well?
1: Well, first and foremost, I I can't take the credit for identifying those as as ripe markets. Um, I was in the right place at the right time with the right experience, which obviously always helps. So maybe back to the the, the luck, um, saying yes component and yeah and uh you know there i was so uh, sacramento though i could speak to the attributes of the markets Mm -hmm. sacramento was in need of it was a different era then even though they Mm -hmm. had the 18 was in need of things to do so the quality of life components and it was a market that was significant in size sacramento would say capital of the, what, the fifth, sixth largest economy in the world, mm-hmm. and significant economic engine in that in that region. So it was an, an, a pretty obvious uh, location that Art Savage identified. Art was the individual who uh, became another mentor and a wonderful friend. And yeah. Art bought the AAA team with the, the vision to build a stadium in in inner near downtown in Sacramento, and Rayleigh Field is is what evolved from that uh, that vision and that process. And as you certainly know, we were in, in as consultants, we were involved in really the startup of every asset yeah. organization from from start to finish. And,
0: was were there commonalities to what you saw in El Paso when you when you you had the experience of Sacramento? I know that you know you and I had worked together on things like the Fresno Grizzlies and the Albuquerque Isotopes and sort of saw all of those. When you saw the opportunity in El Paso, was it a similar like oh bad, yeah, this is this is the River Cats all over again? Or were there nuances to that one too? Yeah,
1: in some ways, I mean the, the economic vitality of the region mm-hmm. is not really the same. Um, median incomes were significantly below the national average for example but the underlying attributes of that market were similar but totally different it's sort of not just a totally different region but totally yeah. level of need so when i first met our the hunt and the foster families are now owners there i asked why why triple baseball you both have significant businesses and other efforts that you're part of that and when I say significant, that's probably an understatement. <laughs> yeah. The answer is, we want to improve the quality of life and promote economic development in the region through sports and entertainment. And to this day, that remains our objective. And we can talk later about how it yeah.
0: all invested itself. But but there was a clear-eyedness about what, how they approached it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And but that those were the that was the need that this yeah. team. And, and importantly, that venue downtown first-class baseball stadium was filling. And so, yeah, and, and there, there were similar situations, but the variables, i.e. income, economic vitality, were different, and so you had to adjust accordingly. I tell you, one of the things that I've learned, David, that with those two projects in particular, and doing some of the consulting projects that we did when I was with the River Cats of Sacramento, we created as a, a separate business unit that that did consulting for, as you certainly know, that for different uh, teams. So we typically in startup mode. In one in Portland, that was a whole different scenario. But right. one of the things I learned is don't think you know everything simply because you have had success in fill in the blank market. Right. It, and this is an obvious statement, but it's it, on the other hand, it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that the the same principles, the same strategies and tactics that work in market A are gonna work in market B. They're all different and El Paso is significantly different for a lot of reasons than any that I have worked in. One of the favorite attributes of El Paso is that it's an island unto itself, whereas Sacramento, one of the things, even though I'm born and raised in Northern California, uh, I, I hadn't thought about it this way, but it did dawn on me shortly after our involvement began there is Sacramento is within one day drive of five world-class destinations. Right. In the area in Tahoe and Yosemite and Monterey and wine country, literally.
0: No shortage and, of things to do.
1: No shortage of things to do in El Paso.
0: It's a different geographic location. Stands they are, around on its own. They are they are exactly on their own. And you have to go a long ways to to find a different thing to do that you can find in the Bay Area just by walking out your front door. You know, what you said about ownership and being clear-eyed about objectives and, being, and understanding that market A isn't necessarily like market B. So you can't just templatize the success that you've had, right? You have sort of the basic again, sort of that broad based knowledge set that you bring to the table. And what are the unique aspects of that market? And how do you adjust strategy to fit that market? And I know you and I have, we've talked about owners who think, oh, you know, hey, I was super successful in textiles or steel wool or, you know, whatever computers, I'm going to take that business acumen and lay it over into sports. That's not the same animal. The the best owners are
1: those who understand that the sports business is a, I don't want to overstate this, but it's a fairly sophisticated business getting even more sophisticated by the day that does in fact have its own set of rules and simply because you were successful as a housing developer and this is the culture you created and this is the processes that somehow or another you're going to you're going to lay those over as you put it into the whatever team we're we're talking about and it, it just it does not work that way obviously there are certain principles that apply across the board whether you're making uh, you own a boot factory or you're refining oil or dollars you, in are good dollars in are good and, and uh, fewer expenses going out are even better but see this isn't that,
0: that hard
1: it's really not. It's it ain't brain <laughs> surgery. Is uh, one of the the, the people I worked for at the A's early on told me often. <laughs> yeah,
0: it ain't rocket <laughs> surgery, as we like to say in the business. All right, so let's change a little bit. I want to I want to talk about also. I mean, because obviously your history is in baseball. You've been in baseball for I don't know what forty years or something like that. You found the success of the Rivercats, then you had similar success with the Chihuahuas, built probably one of the most fantastic minor league baseball stadiums in all of baseball, and all of, all of baseball, major league or minor league. Then it was time for soccer, right? And then so, you know, you said, okay, let's take the success with your ownership group about what we've done with the Chihuahuas. And you launched the USL's uh, El Paso Locomotives, which began play in 2018 as, as a longtime baseball guy. Talk about the difference between launching a baseball franchise and a soccer franchise from scratch. What what, what did you learn? What, what adjustments did you have to make?
1: Well, if you ever think that you know it all, uh, <laughs> thinking, you know, uh, Humbling I
0: have, is I think the word you're looking for,
1: right? <laughs> well, I think I've had that perspective for a long time, and it is—it's part of the fun of this business to this day, and will always be for me—is the learning. It sounds trite to say, but being around people who are younger—and by the way, it's less than forty years if anybody's <laughs> doing the math. So, <laughs> uh, and I started when I was eight. Right, an
0: you're a prodigy. But
1: I am a prodigy. Yes, just ask me. So, <laughs> um, but, but soccer—and and it's been part of the fun is is a totally different beast. I'll, I'll use El Paso as an obvious example. Market is 85% Hispanic, mm-hmm. Mexican in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, that population has a huge affinity for the sport of soccer. So it's a slam dunk, right? Uh, the answer is no, it's uh. not. Because those, those individuals are fans and this is something that has been in place for decades. Of uh, League MX teams in Mexico and European soccer, primarily because, excuse me, US soccer on the professional level has, until the last 10 or 15 years, hasn't had the, the level of exposure and success and uh, call it well doneness as it does now. Oh, and, we're
0: going to trademark that one, right? Yeah, that's a, well doneness.
1: Well, you have a little bit <laughs> <have a> <laughs> So yeah, yeah, you got to get the spelling correct. Yeah, it's going to be tough. On these new words. Yeah, that wasn't the case in El Paso, and that that was a surprise. We did the research, um, right? And, and you guys were part of that, that. Yeah. We did the focus groups, and you know, we learned exactly what I just told you. So we we knew that we we're going to have to take a, a different approach.
0: So you weren't just going to open the doors and people were going to walk in. This was going to be this is going to be an effort.
1: There was no doubt about that. In addition, everything that we knew and that we learned over over our collective experience on the baseball side, it's not necessarily going to work for soccer, and that became mm-hmm. clear from the outset. And I think we were we were not under any preconceived notions that that was in fact going to be the case. So those were those were uh, some of the underlying factors at play here. And then the the, the one thing that I learned beyond that is we have to educate the market about what this is because usl soccer even though it's the only second division level which is very high level of professional soccer in this country usl is a very young league so in order to get credibility and uh, communicate the, the quality level and the experience level of these players i.e in, in we actually started in 2019 so we're in our fourth season Okay. Two COVID interrupted or two COVID affected seasons, but nonetheless, our fourth season, we've had on average ten or eleven players, or excuse me, players from ten or eleven countries around the world that have played at extremely high levels. And this is so pedigree
0: is important.
1: Well, pedigree is important, but the point is to communicate that yep. to the market that this isn't your sister's boyfriend's best friend who's a really good soccer player <laughs> as a lot of communities have had in the past this is this is a whole other level of soccer It's so it's it,
0: in fact is the world so you do sort of draw upon that level of experience from other from where the players have been previously to sort of build up the 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 understanding and the capability and the credibility
1: we we highlight it most yeah.
0: of the yeah. we communicate that and that's yeah.
1: That's a lengthy process, and we've had, you know, I want to say four years, but it's hard to count the COVID interrupted years. It's an ongoing process to continue to educate the market. Number one, about the quality, and two, about the experience, because it's wholly different than baseball. And I don't need to go into the details in that regard, but it's a wholly different experience. And so, that's a much more engaged fan base. It's much more engaged fan base. They come for different reasons. They're coming. Uh, for a multitude of reasons, on the baseball side, could be the food, could be the entertainment, it could be to hang out with uh, friends. And Alan Ledford, and, and with Alan Ledford. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, on the soccer side, most you, you're there to be entertained. Certainly, yep. you don't have to be a huge fan, or you're a, a big fan and you want to you want to hang out. You're not you're not walking the concourse trying to figure out what you're having for dessert in uh, the third inning or the 30th minute you're sitting in you're sitting in your seat the other piece that from a from the business perspective that was wholly different for us is we're responsible for it all including the players whereas on the baseball side is you know, that the major league minor league business model is that the major league team is responsible for all aspects of the of the player selection of the paying the players, managing, deciding who goes where and when and including the, the staff. So that um, managing that aspect is both fun and, and a, a huge learning experience, but uh, totally different it's a totally a, new one day to day than, than what we experience on the baseball side where it's all about the business, which is marketing and sales and operations.
0: And you also I mean, okay so baseball guy. Learning soccer, developing a knowledge base about why people come into this, and then you add another layer of complexity because Mountain Star Sports has an interest in FC Juarez, which is right across the El, in the, El, the Rio Grande. Showing off my geography knowledge right there, uh, from El Paso. So, in, in addition to that, I'll, what's the learning curve been like being involved with an international soccer club? Right. What, where, where do those differences lie? Again, how much time do you have? <laughs> you have it's, two minutes to sum up. Give me the bullet points.
1: To create context, El Paso is part of what is referred to as the border collapse. The border class mm-hmm. El Paso, Juarez, and Southern New Mexico, primarily Las Cruces. And when we talk about improving the quality of life and promoting economic development from our organizations and ultimately our ownership's perspective that includes watts and so that community about a million and a quarter million and a half people has had its own significant challenge over the Mm -hmm. recent years things have gotten better um certainly over the course of the last five seven eight eight years but nonetheless there's there are plenty of challenges in mexico generally but certainly in that region and this is this soccer team, this first division, high, very high level of, uh, of, of soccer that the community is, is provided is a tool to help improve the image. It's a tool to to help communicate to the rest of the country and the world, countries, plural, that there's more to audits than what you might read in the, read the
0: paper every day. Yeah.
1: It's a, clearly a quality of life element for the the residents there it, it, so that is the foundation in terms of the business side it's a foreign country right right business, just like we don't we talked earlier don't pretend that what works in one community is going to work in another regardless of the level of success in the first venue uh, th- this is even more of a uh, the differential is more significant on the Mexican side versus the US. So learning how to do business in Mexico, like learning the soccer business, as we just discussed on the USL side, coming to understand that and, and learn about how the business is done there. Um, and then finding the best way, frankly, to, to meld best practices from the US side, where relative to the rest of the world, sports management is far more advanced and that you you hear that all the time about european soccer games so you know that's the process that we're in the midst of is to continue to help build that organization the infrastructure around it the literal infrastructure meaning training complex and a new stadium which is critical to its long-term success and then managing the financial side uh, as well and you know there's a there's it's a it's a different business model than what we have say in minor league baseball because there's a a big piece of national media dollars television primarily that are at stake here as opposed to just being an event related business but the event income is is significant and we have
0: a lot of work to do to maximize uh, that piece well, I mean, it kind of brings up an interesting question, right? So you've got this pretty fascinating perspective of, you know, obviously longstanding history in baseball, particularly minor leagues. USL soccer success there. You've got the international soccer piece that you're working with there. With all this experience and, you know, obviously League MX is its own its own animal. But what do you think people misunderstand about minor league sports when they think about it in the in the continuum of all the different professional sports that there are in the U.S.? What are the opportunities and challenges that you think are particularly present in minor league sports?
1: The, I think one of the, the, the real misnomers is the use of minor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, in popular culture, there are movies and stories that don't really work to the game's advantage, generally speaking, in terms of creating an aura around it. And the, the, the sort of Americana piece and small, mid-sized communities throughout the country. It's, and, and USL soccer is is in bigger communities, larger communities, um, typically. Although there are some smaller ones, but it's there's nothing minor league about the business anymore because the the dollars are much more significant. It's frankly much more professionally run uh, than it has been in the past, and uh, the the people who run it are, run these teams are more sophisticated. In uh, in terms of their experiences, it's uh, that's there's always opportunity when that's not the case, right? And, and frankly, my experience has been it's we were involved at, as as um, in a different kind of relationship with the turnaround situation right. a number of years ago in, in minor league baseball and fixing something that's not where it should be is uh, is great fun. Making something better is great fun, and there's there's. There's always going to be that upside, and and that's one of the allures of, of minor league baseball in particular, and and USL soccer is creativity is a big part of the success, um, as long as the creativity is is applied in the appropriate way. And, and by that,
0: by that, I, I know there's the subtext moment. there, and I don't even want to touch it. Well, no, it's,
1: <laughs> well, there's a lot of different directions to go, but. But what I'm referring to is not creative, being creative for creative sake where you pat, yourself, pat yourselves on the back and say, oh, how clever was that? But if it's not generating business, if it's not driving revenue, if it's not selling tickets, if it's not creating a deeper relationship with the community, if it's not creating sponsorable opportunities or called prable opportunities, then you're you're wasting your time. And then of course the the piece of this puzzle that has become um, much more significant in our business is one of the benefits of doing a startup is you can create anything you want is uh, analytics and, and data yeah. on the business side and you know that's one of the things that i was excited to do in el paso was to hire somebody specifically for that role and i i don't know if we were the first i wasn't aware of any others. some months would at that time were i think 160 teams but there weren't there were less than a handful, if there were, that were that had the benefit of, of uh, approaching things that way. Now it's, it's even more common. And that's only, you know, we're in our ninth season. So that's only a little over nine
0: years ago. What do you think would surprise people the most about sitting in your chair, running a sports franchise? Like, what's the perception? And what do you think is the reality?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it, this applies to sports and probably entertainment generally is from the outside looking in, it's really sexy, right? It's a lot yeah. of, it's where people go to have fun. So naturally that's the perception. And it is, I mean, there, there's no doubt it's a lot of fun. I don't know how sexy it is, but it's a lot of fun. And it's, uh, you know, entertaining people, doing something good for a community is is really, it, it all has its own rewards that are fairly unique to uh, to our business. What people don't necessarily understand, and they don't have to, it's not their issue, mm-hmm. Is it's a lot of hard work yeah and there is no we laugh at the question of what What do you all do during the off season well just like a retail store that's dependent on on the holiday season for their ultimate success in order to have that holiday season you just don't turn the light switch on october 1st and people come flooding watch them come in exactly we uh we don't turn the light switch on on opening day and turn it off on on the fan appreciation day and expect that it all will come back the next opening day. So if we're doing it right, we talk about this all the time internally, if we're doing it right, we're working harder in the off season than we are
0: during the season. Well, and you brought it up earlier in this conversation, the dollars involved here are far more significant than they have been at any point in professional sports. This isn't just a nice, quiet, family-run operation anymore. There is there are big dollars behind it, and high expectation behind those dollars.
1: And and the deal for stadiums are you know these, these uh, AAA ballparks now are in neighbor in the neighborhood of a hundred million dollars. A USL championship stadium is uh, you know you you can build them for fifty to hundred million depending upon size and and the level of amenity, etc. So yeah, they're big money, there's real estate tied to them as well, and in some cases real estate development opportunities, that didn't exist previously. In, in virtually all ways except for, and I'm talking about the baseball side and uh, the soccer side, we do control the, the player side. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tantamount to a major league team just on a smaller scale.
0: Yeah. And all the, with all the requisite action and, and responses and responsibilities that go along with yeah. it.
1: And I'll, I'll differentiate it on one level, though right? I think this is for especially some younger people who might be bored
0: enough to be listening to us. We, uh, we have a um, huge, we have a huge twenty-five and under following.
1: Exactly, there's no doubt. Um, <laughs> the, the, one of the real appeals of the minor league business, for me, and, and I've been but in a unique position that I've had significant experience on both sides is that you get involved in every aspect of the business. If you're not directly involved, you have a line of sight to it. And in my opinion, uh, if you operate without silos, you consciously eliminate those, you create a culture of collaboration, which is incredibly important because that's the business we're in. And I will guarantee you, myself and our other senior folks do not have the corner on the right answers or the good ideas and it's part of the fun, but you have to create that that culture. I think you see less of that on the major side. It's just harder to right. create because you are almost by definition in the silo, uh, given the size of those organizations now and the the resources involved and just the, the simply the scope of uh, need and responsibilities. People don't have the the proverbial bandwidth. So yeah,
0: you're smaller, you can pivot more quickly. You can adapt more. There's a more entrepreneurial mindset. You said it. If we can be creative and try different things to be able to show how to be able to drive new revenue for the clubs that might not have been even so, considered at a major league level. And, and this goes for,
1: full circle back to something else you, you asked about David, you, you touched on and And that's ownership. Yeah. at the end of the day with all due respect to me and others in, in my position and my colleagues, uh, it all starts with ownership and helping to give, to create that that culture in terms of the vision that they set and in terms of the support they provide. And certainly not just financial support, I, by supporting the decisions and not being obstructionist from the standpoint of having all the answers because you obviously were super successful in another business and come to the realization because you read the, the sports page every day that you have all the
0: answers.
1: <laughs> it's uh, basically uh, a textbook. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I've been reading it since I was a kid.
0: I know everything there is to know about sports because I can compute what noir is.
1: <laughs> I, well, real quickly, what I appreciate about, and I have been blessed with, with for 95% of my career with ownership that, that gets it on all all levels with what the best owners do probably because they're coming from a different perspective is they pressure test they ask great questions and i like that and yeah it, I, it makes you look at things differently they're th- seeing things from a different perspective i talk about this often in our circumstance we are too close to everything that we do everybody the, the people who matter our fans are our, our clients they have real lives they're not they're not there, with blinders on focus on our business. And, and that's what we do, rightly so. But it's, whatever you can get whenever we can get input from those outside of our little bubble, um, intelligent experienced input, it's really valuable.
0: Make sure you have your T's crossed and I's dotted.
1: Well, that's always good too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, you started with the A's in 1982, right? Correct? Sure. Right. At- so that's, that's, it's a long time in baseball. And in that time, you know, there has been a lot of ink spilled about the demise of baseball, right? The sport is dying. It's not relevant anymore. doesn't resonate with younger people. I mean, I even went back and looked. I mean, there have been articles since the 20s about why baseball is about to, is about to die. I mean, what's your perspective on this? Why, why will baseball endure? And are Changes required? Do we have to? Does the sport need to make changes to increase its relevancy? Yes and yes. Baseball
1: okay. is is uh, absolutely going to endure, and I'll touch on that in, in a second. And, and but like with anything, change is key. You, mm. you all you have to adjust accordingly. And one of the reasons that baseball has it is is in the situation that they're in, i.e., that, that there are as many challenges because I think we've been slower to change than we should have. And, you know, that, that's natural for an institution that's more than a century old, that has had amazing success, that, that is attached to the fabric of the, this country and appropriately so. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, former colleague, comments often that our strengths are our weaknesses, and that fabric in, in, in the place that baseball plays in this country has been a huge strength and part of its success. But the, uh, the the makeup of the country is changing. They're evolving. The expectations are are changing. The level of competition is changing. And we better change And That specifically goes to attracting younger fans. And, and that's not a, a perceptive insight on, on my part, obviously. That's something that baseball has been talking about for some time and that is absolutely key and part of doing that is changing the way the game is played and by that i mean changing some rules mm-hmm. see that happening now we're we're experimenting with a number of rule changes at the minor league level that will eventually probably sooner than later land at the, the major league level from uh, all these things have been talked about from pitch clocks or, you know games are too damn long and i don't care how old you are but I think everybody would, would agree with that. They want to move things along. They want to create more action. But at the same time, that's you know, back to our strengths or our weaknesses. One of the strengths of baseball is there's so much strategy that, that is part of the game. There are so many things going on simultaneously and it's one of the real appeals. Intricate. It is, it is probably more intricate than most any other sport, at least from the perception of the average fan. But at the same time, that might contribute to its slowness mm-hmm.
0: and, but you just feel strongly it's going to endure
1: oh absolutely i mean you see the money that's been being invested by some very smart people um, including television networks and, including the, the largest digital companies in the world uh, in the sport people want to be entertained baseball will always have a significant place to play and i i for one hope that it's uh, one of the playing one of the primary roles in Filling that need on a going forward basis.
0: All right. So last question, well, almost last question, as you'll find out in a minute. Um, Mountain Star owns top performing minor league baseball club. It's got a top performing USL club. What's next?
1: There are other opportunities out there throughout the world, and we're we're in a position, fortunately, to, to look at those and and entertain them and. I would not be surprised if at some point or another that something in that realm, who knows what or where, were to come to fruition. And you know, it's it's exciting to be able to to leverage the experience that we have from our ownership, myself, our other executive, excuse me, executive management in these kind of opportunities. And you know, obviously, with new colleagues to uh, to entertain new challenges and. I suspect that uh, that something will come to fruition at, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, okay. So that was the longest way around saying something's gonna happen somewhere on the planet Earth related to sports, potentially in the future, potentially with some other people. So uh, my correct answer. That was some very nicely done. That was that was saying a lot. Without saying anything. All right, but that's that's actually a good hint. We got the point at... is, the point is, is uh, yes, we're we're looking
1: at and open to other opportunities outside of uh, the Portaplex El Paso market, and who knows?
0: Well, well see. I hope you're open and prepared for this next opportunity, Alan Litford, which we call the Lightning Round. These are wow. a bunch of questions that I have not uh, briefed you on that you are going to answer as quickly and as thoughtfully as possible. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this thing then. Uh, You've been in baseball a long, long time. I don't know if it's 40 years, I don't know if it's 35 years or whatever, but how many times in your career do you figure you've watched dot racing or a variation of dot racing? Well, first of all,
1: apparently the lightning round doesn't include lightning questions, but in any case-
0: uh... This is my round, Ledford, answer the questions. Oh, my gosh. Uh, a thousand. A thousand. Like, it's got to be more than that. That's a terrible, ter- terrible answer. What rule change for baseball would you immediately institute? The fish claw. Okay. You're a baseball guy who's now deep into soccer. Explain the offsides rule. Yeah, don't do it. Okay. You, <laughs> you also love round table pizza. Please provide a short review of their breadsticks.
1: Oh, my God. That, that, there's no way you can give a lightning round answer to that.
0: It's just it's fact. just too much goodness. Joey, there's, there's the goodness is is not even describable. Anymore. Okay, very good. All right. So we're moving on to the next one. You actually commute from your home in the Bay Area to El Paso. What's your pro tip for flying Southwest Airlines? Experience. The more you, <laughs> get, the more you... <laughs> oh so the pro tip is to fly more?
1: No, no. Let me. I'll, let's start again on
0: that one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the lightning round catches another one. You'll have to wait for that. Okay. I didn't, I didn't expect to be criticized by the host. <laughs> Lastly, what does it feel like to be on a fifty-game plus losing streak to me in foosball? Well, some of us work, some of us don't. I've worked quite hard beating you regularly in foosball. Okay.
1: That, that, that happened in our past life, I, I
0: acknowledge. I acknowledge. <laughs> Alan Ledford, president of Mountain Star Sports Group. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening to this ADC Partners podcast. For more information about ADC Partners, please visit our website at adcpartners.com.